Podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com, your ultimate destination for FC Dallas, North Texas Soccer Club, and all the European gear. Browse all the latest arrivals at Soccer90.com. Premier League, Bundesliga, La Liga, everything you want. Listeners of Third Degree, the podcast, get 20% off your order when you use code Third Degree at checkout. Some exclusions may apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode. This one numbered 225, episode 225 of Third Degree, the podcast. Hello again. My name is Peter, and today... It's just a two-man show because our uh, favorite Hatter is all nervous about their showdown at Stamford Bridge on Friday against Chelsea. Dan has uh, had to take the evening off from recording as he gets ready to put all of his chips and dips together for the game tomorrow. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday evening, so he's very, very busy. And uh, that means I'm solo well, not really solo. I'm just, it's a duo between me and your hero, my hero, and everybody's hero, editor, founder, since uh, 1737. <laughs> the one, the only, Buzz <laughs> Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Uh, Peter, I, I believe Dan, uh, this is the day, you know, the annual day that Dan would shave, and it's just taking him hours. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's why he's not the, here. <laughs> he finally gets to a Texas yeah. summer point where he just cannot stand it any longer, and he has yeah. to shave it off. He keeps hoping for the uh, the first cold front around Labor Day to blow through, and it just seems to come later and later every year. And he's like, screw it. I can't do this another month. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. I, I, I had to get I a haircut today. Either. It was so awful. I can't even imagine having a beard like that. Oh, I know. Yeah. It does. It just seems it just seems wrong in all the ways, but uh, I admire him for sticking through it. So uh, we will miss Dan today as we will finish up the question and answer session we began in last week's episode. We still have about twen uh, tw 10 questions left. Pappy check with a whole bunch of them. Uh, Jeff Tepper, uh, Mark Blackwood, Fritz and Joseph and a whole bunch of other people still have questions to go through. But before we get to that, let's start off with some of the news and the fact that, well, frankly, Buzz, you've been teasing this mm. like a college sorority girl for the last <laughs> few days online that you've had a uh, a big chat with Zanata with a whole bunch of stuff specifically about the news that uh, that you also posted that Reggie Cannon was never paid for by Benefica. Yeah. <laughs> um, Boa Vista, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Boa Vista. I don't yeah, know why yeah. I said Bene Bo uh, Boa Vista, uh, the Portuguese club. So uh, it's time apparently now for a Huntsman dump, which we haven't yeah. had in a while. Well, that was a pretty big one. I mean, I, you know, I'm still not the first person to report that they hadn't paid. Um, you know, certainly among other people, Bogart's done some stuff with that. And, and he backed up what I had said again you know, this week, which was that they have yet to pay anything. Uh, but I have a little more, a little more on that. And I have a little more on a couple of things he told me. Uh, it was a nice conversation. This was the, I don't know if it's annual, but it's. It, How did it come about? Well, the this was the um, this week was the fancy media dinner that or luncheon that they occasionally do where they invite, you know, maybe twenty or so local media to come to a very nice oh. place for lunch. Um, oh, they that I invite, usually cannot afford to go to. They <laughs> they invite 
local media. Yeah, they do. I, hmm. I'm not, I don't know let why me, you didn't get me, invited. <laughs> let me check my spam folder yeah. and see if uh, I can fish out my invite. I, I will admit it's not a very big list of people that get invited, uh, but I was there and John Arnold was there and a couple other people. But, How many um, people? Okay, I'm going to ask this question. Yeah. How many people from the media showed up to participate in this that regularly discuss, report, cover? Hmm. Football Club Dallas. Well, a higher percentage this time than usual. Um, the guy who's the digital editor for WFAA, who've been doing a little more content Pete Friedman. Lately. Uh, I don't know his name. I don't. I just know that he's with WFAA, and they've done yeah. a little more lately. The new soccer editor for the Morning News was there. Um, Wait, uh, record yeah. scratch. What? Yeah. Well, they have a person who, among other things, has been assigned soccer, oh. uh, and he supervised. Like, remember the the nice piece they had this week on Nico that was written by. The no. LSU kid, right? Not, so he supervised not that. Familiar? No. Oh, okay. There was a nice piece, uh, like a like a deep uh, piece, like a deeper dive on Nico and family and oh, all that cool. kind of stuff. Okay. And the kid that wrote it actually is an intern from LSU, but he was supervised by this guy. And then a couple of guys that are Hispanic media that are on the conference calls all the time. Uh, myself, John Arnold, and then from the team, it was um, PR people, of course. But then Dan and Anzar Zanata and the new player, um, Iramendi, Yaramendi. Uh, I think perhaps they overestimated like how many people would be interested in talking to him specifically. Does he speak English? No, oh, not, yeah. not. You know, I, I I saw a thing where he mentioned he watches TV because he's trying to learn it. You know, but not not enough. Then they even warned everybody ahead of time that you would need a translator. He's not up for that conversation. But was there anybody from any of the TV affiliates in attendance? Just the guy from FAA, WFA. That's a TV station, right? Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah, he's the he does their website and the yeah, social media it. stuff. So no, hmm, interesting. No, it, it's about the crowd they usually get. Not yeah. too different. Uh, well, you know, it was John Arnold's birthday, so I told everybody there that it was and embarrassed him. That was fun. Hey, you tell them all he he finally broke twenty five. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, but he reminded Baby me that when John he was Arnold. a teenager that he had talked to me on instant messenger at some point about something related <laughs> to I don't know what I didn't I didn't ask him what it was, but we had chatted at some point a, when he was a, a young up and coming yeah. uh, soccer journalist. He uh, not even that like a teenager like he I think he said he was in high school. I want to so, be Buzz Carrick someday. I, I'm at said. least a decade older than him, so it's not surprising. Maybe two. Interesting. I don't, I don't know who John is. I never asked him. Well, that's too bad. I wish. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, I'm jealous that you got invited to such a thing. Yeah, I should I'll, bring you next time. I'll ask Andy if he got yeah. one. Yeah, he I might. Have. I, I mean, no, I'm sure he didn't because he would have said something to me had he. Andy's been traveling doing uh, Concacaf Champions League mm. for the last three weeks. He's been right, to right. Belize twice and has been in Jamaica this week. I've never been to Belize, but yes. I, you know, at these things before, I've been there with Tobias. I reminded um, Dan Hunt that we did one with Don Garber, you know, like a decade and a half ago. And he was like, "Oh, that's right, yeah." And, and Steve uh, Steve Davis is usually has been at some of these before. I'm actually surprised you've not been at one. That happens from time to time, these luncheons. Not that I remember, no. Oh, okay, all right. You don't no. rate, I guess. I'm not super popular inside the front <laughs> office, though, but well, I don't either, think Peter. you've Come on. picked up on this. Uh, well, at least you show up for practice That's on a true. regular basis That's true. and I stuff. Do. You, I do. Uh, you kind of force your yep. way into it. So Yeah. Um, well, I thought I would get invited if I didn't do that stuff. All right, so that's the well, background Zanata, on how yeah. you got to talk to Zanata. Yeah. So what's the what's all the good? Well, the good stuff? you know, everybody lined up to talk to Dan because they all want to talk about the World Cup. So I just cornered Zanata, and he gave me a good five minutes, Smart. Uh, more than that, more like ten minutes. That's savvy soccer yeah. journalism, right there, <laughs> boys and girls. They asked me if I wanted a player, and I was like, man, I don't, I don't know him, and I don't speak Spanish. What am I gonna do? Ask him if he knew it was hot. You know, it's come on, it's, I got nothing at this point to see him play. So, um, but anyway, let's go back to Zanata and uh, Boa. We'll start with Boa Vista. 
Um, one thing I thought was fascinating, he said that they've actually filed uh, in FIFA court, whatever it is, twice now on Boa Vista because not only have they not paid the original um, transfer fee, there was a bonus kicker when Reggie hit a certain number of games that kicked in. And so they had to file again on that one. So they haven't paid either one of them. And now they're basically interest is kicking up, uh, you know, like, so it's actually more money now than it was originally because interest is compiling because of their failure to pay. Um, Cause basically they've been ruled that, against. Right? Yeah. I don't know, but like they've been ruled against their, their Andres and us says that Bo was in a transfer ban. So I went and looked on team talk to see like a transfer market and see what they have done. And somehow or another, they managed to get a player or two in, but they still have very, very few players transferred. So it effectively is the case that they are in the ban of some kind. They have loaned players that have come back and they promoted a bunch of academy guys. And other than that, like in the last year and a half, they've had two players come in or something. So apparently they probably are in at least some level of transfer ban. Zanata said it's both internationally and even locally in their league. They now can't do it. So we didn't go deep into the details, but Obviously, it's a still a thing. So they still haven't been paid. Uh, and he did say that Boa had called and wanted to like try and renegotiate. And they were like, nah, <laughs> we want the money. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, it it doesn't mean much for FC Dallas other than it's just crazy that they still haven't got any money for Reggie. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, well, it's a sternly worded letter to the uh, yeah. to FIFA. Well, the other side of the coin is we talked about Reggie and obviously Zanata is not his agent or wholly 100% familiar, but he says he's not sure that Reggie would be free agent, which is what I said last week. I think it was um, because, you know, Boa Vista at some point probably has paid him, you know, all or enough or if they got it to him late or whatever, they're going to probably contend that he is free. So if you wonder why Reggie hasn't moved, I would imagine that that's really what's going on and that nothing has been decided in his case. You know, and then he's not actually free because the seasons are all starting. He would have, if he had been free, somebody would have grabbed him. Yeah. You know, so I'm I'm pretty confident he's probably not free or at least not resolved <sighs> to be free yet. So um, that sucks for yeah. Reggie. Yeah. So that's a that's terrible for him, and obviously we feel really bad for him how that's gone. I mean, Europe has obviously not been the answer. Like that deal at the beginning when it had the Leal, you know, connection we thought looked like a really good pathway. It turns out that died fast because that guy. Yeah, you may want to remind team. people what that story is. Yeah, at, at the time he went to Boa Vista, the idea was that the same owner was buying. I can't remember whether he owned Boa or he owned Lille, one or the other. He was buying the other I club. I think he owned Lille and was considering buying Boa Vista yeah. or at least somehow get a Something financial like that. Yeah. In, investment in, in Boa a Vista. A stake. And yeah. the idea was that he was going to go to Boa Vista for a year and then transfer to you know, quote-unquote transfer because they were going to own – this guy saying I was going to own both teams, and then he was going to move to Lille. Well, that didn't happen because I believe that guy ended up selling Lille. So he doesn't even oh, own that wow. team anymore yeah. either. So that whole alleged pathway – and this goes to show you too about having things on paper versus handshakes and promises that are worth jack squat. You know, you can in a way look at Brian Reynolds too who had been told that, you know, you're going to come here to, to – um, Aroma, mm-hmm. and you're going to go on a loan for one year. Then you're gonna, then, then the guy that's right back now will be moved out, and you'll come in. And you'll be the guy. Well, that didn't happen either. They fired their coach. The new guy hates kids, hates Americans, hates offensive <laughs> defenders. He all hates three strikes America. against. <laughs> yeah, so he, all three strikes against um, Reynolds for so that, that turned into a horrible situation for him. And I'm sure that horrible situation is not over either. That's by the way, that's probably a story we'll have to get back to eventually. But uh, you know, so I, was, poor Reggie. I, I was thinking about this the other day. Is there a is is there a story of a kid that Dallas has sold that I'm just forgetting that has gone spectacularly well? 
Well, Tanner's is going pretty damn well. There's yeah, um, okay. Isn't, isn't Lazio now looking at him maybe to go? And he's like compare him to Busio, for example, who's not even playing for his you know second division team. Whereas Tanner's become kind of like the guy for them. Yeah, you know, so that's pretty close, I think, to going really well. And it's, yeah, well, plus he's playing professional soccer in Venice. In, in, yeah, Venice. <laughs> yeah, like, why would you want to go to Turkey yeah. or whatever? West like, yeah. yeah West but they didn't sell Weston. No, Weston left yeah, on fair. his own. I'm just I'm thinking of yeah. Reggie. I'm thinking of uh Pepe. I'm talking you know, I'm thinking of uh, uh Brian Reynolds. I'm yeah. sure I'm forgetting one, but it just seems like, you know, it's this has been an interesting learning curve for all of us as oh, yeah. I think most people who are fans of this club are experiencing for the first time the sale of kids and products and you know, the production line out of the academy and it's a pretty brutal business. Man. Yeah, it's, it's pretty evil. Dante's loan didn't work. Shay's loan yeah. didn't work. Pepe's probably back on the right track now, but oh, definitely. Yeah. But, but you know that first that, that oh. whatever half season yeah. or whatever it was at Osberg was just brutal. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Miserable. Chris Richards. Kid. Chris Richards. That's gone right. Uh, for the most part, yeah. Although yeah. I think he'll end up getting loaned out from Crystal Palace. I don't think he's getting much time over there. Mm. So. Yeah, he's gotten hurt too much, I think, perhaps. Yeah, interesting. Well, it's uh it's it's been like I said, it's been a ride for all of us as we experience. But that I feel bad for Reggie because Reggie, I oh, think, yeah. is genuinely a world class fellow, but the way it ended here in Dallas, yeah. the kind of hustle to get him out of Dallas, kind of it seems like he desperately went to Boa Vista and then that turned into maybe even a bigger disaster. Yeah, I, I probably the biggest measure of that is that he's probably fallen fairly far down the right back pecking order for the national team. Well, uh, I mean, hell, know. I mean that was part of the disaster. Of Boa Vista's they stopped playing yeah. four in the back. He started playing right center back. Yeah, that's not good. I mean, I, yeah. I, I at this point I I figure well maybe um, Yadlin's probably out of there, but Dest is certainly still in, and, and Reynolds might have passed him, you know, and Shaq Moore even on certain occasions. So, yeah, yeah. You know the crazy part now that I think about this, it may turn out that the best all the best result for any player that has been sold by Dallas may be the original one Zendejas and his move oh, to yeah. Mexico that is yes yeah yeah that's gone fantastically well yeah. i mean i'm i'm totally doing this off the top of my head and i'm sure somebody's going to send us a note going no you idiot you forgot so and so and i'm like oh yeah duh uh, but I nobody i can list, think but... of off the top of my head that they sold no i mean that's really it yeah, um, uh, I'm going back through the list, and I'm not seeing anybody that even is remotely. I mean, you can look at like the Funes Mori brothers, but they didn't sell them either. No, huh? you know, neither was Shaq Moore sold. Emerson Hyman wasn't sold. No, you know, so you know, guys have done well, but they're they're uh, Richard Sanchez pr- carved out a pretty long career after being sold, but not necessarily a successful one per se. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, weird irony. So, what else? Any any other Huntsman yeah, yeah. Dumpsy stuff? I'm sorry, I keep sidetracking. Sure. Um, well, he talks to me a little bit about the Evan Serio deal, and you know, reiterated that like while they really liked Evan, like his Evan turned down their offer, you know, and so he was coming up for agency, and you really can't do that as a team, you know, you don't want to have that happen. So, um, you know, they got 200k for him up front, but um, Zanata says that if he plays a minute for them this season, that Dallas gets another 300. So that wow. basically is 500 for him if he plays at all. And then there's another 100K if he resigns. So that's, you know, that's a pretty good deal if he'll get in a game. And I imagine he will over the back end of the season. Uh, that would be crazy for them to trade, you know, 200K up front and then not get him even in a game. 
Do you think? Do you uh, knowing that we knew that Surio had turned down an offer? Yeah. Is is the background on that that he was actively hoping to go get a change of scenery, or he just didn't like the offer and was hoping he'd get a better one? Uh, I think he probably wanted to kind of see what the market was going to determine. Look, I haven't asked Evan about it, so I'm kind of just operating from like how what I know about him. Um, I, I don't I don't know that he was per se. You know, specifically saying, I want out of Dallas, period. Right. As much as you kind of wanted to just see what the options were, see what his chances were at various things. Um, and not knowing, of course, what the offer was, he may have been like, you're ridiculous, entirely possible. You know, Zadad didn't yeah. tell me what they offered, just that they had and he turned it down. So, pack of gum. Yeah. I mean, could have been I mean, probably at least what he's getting now, I would imagine. So, uh, but probably, you know, like backup kind of money, you know, maybe at most like 300 or something, maybe. Mm -hmm. And maybe Evan feels like he can get a little more than that. You know, certainly uh, these days the markets are kind of going up a little bit. You know, he's, he's a guy who maybe for, if Dallas doesn't want him to start, other teams can say, look, he started 50 games plus an MLS that he can play at this level. So we know we can pay him and have him be reliable or something. So right. again, I'm not trying to speak for Evan. I don't know, but um, I, I just was left an impression that he kind of just wanted to see what was out there. You know, and so understandably, the Dallas did what they did. You know, and, and Liam Frazier basically is the piece they went and got for. And that's one another little factoid is that um, when they they had a trade to get Frazier's rights, right for MLS rights. So uh, they Zanata said there were multiple teams that were interested in him, and so he got to pick, and he picked Dallas of the teams that were interested. So that's kind of nice to see to hear a player like being interested in playing here, you know, and thinking that this was a good option you know, for him. So that's kind of cool. Uh, next little bit was that Facundo Quinon is well along the process for a green card. So there's that. Oh, boy. So, you know, <laughs> that, I don't. Does that mean more Facundo <laughs> Quinon down the road? Yeah. It probably means it's more likely you would pick him up if he doesn't require that international spot. Um, you know, in a general tilt of the entire conversation, not specifically regarding Facundo. It's not, it did remind me that you can always renegotiate with people at any given time. You know, you don't necessarily have to pick up options and take what's on the table, you know? Right. So even though Facundo has an option, you know, uh, if you wanted to bring him back and get a green card, you might say, well, we have this other guy now. So if you want to come back, it's going to be for less or something. So I'm just, that's speculation on my end, but um, interesting that he's wants to be here. Not that he's getting a green card. That's actually really good for the club. If he gets it, if they do want to keep him or not, is a different question we'll have to have at the end of the season. Um, all right. The next one was uh, they don't have any concrete offers for Jesus yet. He said they've ne he said they never even talked to Cadiz at all. Never even had a conversation with him. They never called. He said he didn't know why all those stories were being floated out there. Um, but they do have teams that are calling and asking what the price is. Uh, but no one has put down a concrete offer yet. He didn't happen to mention what that price is by chance, did he? Uh, well, he and I talked a little bit about what that price might be, but I don't want to say what he said. Can I guess? And you can tell me if I'm close. I, you can. Yeah, I'll just say that the numbers that we have talked about on our podcast are pretty close. You know, so maybe if I, a little less oh, than I would have said, so but if more I, than the offers that were out there. $175 million yeah, I'm yeah. off is what you're saying. More than the Cadiz reported story, but less than maybe I had said. How's that go? Is okay. That a good ballpark? Yeah. Yes. I don't want to pin them down when, you know, it was just a conversation between the two of us. Right. You know, hey, he Buzz, does this uh, podcast come out at 12? 
Does this podcast uh, come at, out at 12? Yeah. Mid, like, it might. Oh, it PM? might this week. Yeah. Okay. I just wonder <laughs> if it was going to come out at 12 <laughs> or more like 11 yeah. or, you Who know. Knows? Well, uh, <laughs> 1300 what we did talk about was the idea that um for them always the add-ons and the percentages and the sell-ons are always going to be key so there's no it's fluid that number you know based on uh what all they can get added on you know that's the trick do you have any sense as to what jesus wants only in the sense of like conversations I've had um, around him and like what I know about his mentality and stuff. And uh, I, everyone always tells me that he actually really is very happy here in Dallas and that he likes FC <laughs> Dallas. And Two that, million bucks a year. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, I'm sure that's a big part of it. You know, you can tell from social medias that he's got some good things in his life off the field happening here. That's all great. Um, the, the trick is though, is that that kid is ambitious. You know, and the, when, and the stuff we're talking about, what we witness in games, kind of his, yeah, you know, body you, language and yeah, frustration level yeah. and things like that. Makes you, you can wonder. see it. The kid, the kid thinks he's talented. There's no question. Well, he is, but he is very talented. You know, I, I've said before that I think right this second, he's the best player this club's ever had. Now, is he going to hold that up? You know, we'll see. You know, there's lots of factors in that. The, the, the thing is, is that he is very competitive. So like if the team is not, signing people that in his mind are going to help him win things that will shorten his willingness to stay here. He does eventually want to go, you know, but he wants to do some things here first. He's always talked about his dad and how he would like to be leave here with like a, as a bigger name and having done more things that his dad didn't do, Um, you know, just sort of as a benchmark of like, I want to do better, you know? So I, I think he probably feels like there's unfinished business, but at the same time, if there's enough money and the right team comes, he'll go. So uh, we'll see on that. You know, they have him through a, f- a fair good of time. I have that document here in front of me. They have him through, uh, where did it go? There it is, 2025, and then an option for 2026 at a big number. So, you know, he ain't going to be in a hurry. But if you s- stop signing people and people, other clubs are signing Messi and you're signing, you know, uh, Ansa from the third tier of the Israeli league, Maybe that his feelings start to change, you know. I can't wouldn't wouldn't put it past him if he did start to feel differently about it. Yeah. The messy effect is wide reaching, my friend. Buzz. It, it, oh yeah, it, believe me, those are the questions that I wanted to ask Dan. Was you know how do you respond? Do you feel like there's a challenge now? Is it like how do you, the hunts deal with this? Who are notably not big spenders, you know? But I didn't get a chance to get into all those conversations because there was a line of people waiting to talk to him. So. Uh, they promised me that I'll get to talk to him here coming up soon. So hopefully I'll get some of that stuff and maybe do some stadium talk to you because that's important too. Uh, yeah, it was funny. So did they talk at all about uh, the new guy or new guys? Uh, not really. Everyone wanted to ask questions about the World Cup, you know, and, and think he's bigger. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what I kind of felt like. They were trying to set it up where everyone could talk to Yaramindi. And I was like, man, I don't know anyone wants to talk to that guy. I mean, listen, the, the resume is amazing. But nobody's heard of that player before, right? I mean, even unless you were a really deep follower of the Spanish league or really into Real Madrid, you uh, no clue who this guy yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, I've seen his name before and I've heard him reference, yeah. but I don't know. I'm sure I've seen him play at some point, just through a Champions League game or yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, it wasn't like, oh, they signed him. It's funny. I was uh, at our Sunday kick around. Garrett Melcher has uh, makes an appearance every once in a while, and 
Garrett was uh, kind enough and smart enough to correct me when I butchered his name, and uh, and that's where I first. So it looks like they've shortened his name for his shirt. Yeah, that's a common thing for him, based on some of my googling, is that most everybody just calls him Yara. So, right. So yeah. when I when I butchered it, Garrett said, "No, no, no, it's Yara," and I was like. And he didn't add the Mendy to the end of it. And now I realize why, because I guess that's what they're just referring to him now. Yeah. I want people to refer to him as Yada. So, yeah, I'm not so quite so good. Gringo double L, the either. double L thing gets oh. me. Like I, I know that I'm not doing it right, but Yara is, is about as close as I can get. Yeah, it took yeah. me forever to get Victor Uyoya's last name correct. Yeah, you I, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm still so, probably not yeah. right on that. Yeah. All or right. Edwin and, listening to Edwin say his name in Spanish style or in English style, Ugh. depending on who he's talking to. Yeah. And he did have it you, again. The LA introduction thing. He said, Cerillo again. I was like, Oh man, which one are you going to do? Have you seen the guy play at all? Have you seen him or Frazier play at all? I've seen Frazier. I've not seen. Oh, that's right. Last week. You yeah, saw yeah I saw him last week. Yeah. The confluence of events prevented me this week from going to training, but well, the Yara guy, I was shocked how skinny he looks. He's fit. Yeah. He's well, no, no, he, he looked, and I don't mean yeah. skinny fit. I mean, I was just surprised how skinny, period, even for a fit soccer player, yeah. at least from the photos I've seen. I haven't seen video of him or anything like that, but when they released the picture of him in his jersey, I was like, wow, that dude is skinny. Yeah, he's wiry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Is he I, tall? No. Uh-uh, he's short. Oh. No, I, I would well, say he's promising. about... Yeah, I would say he's about 5'8 <laughs> and, and wiry. That's good news. Okay. Well, that's one more thing that Zanaya told me is that they actually look at him more as an eighth and a six. Oh, weird. He was playing okay. as an eight in uh, Spain most recently and not six. So uh, that lends us to a deeper conversation about potentially um, more of a double pivoty kind of look with Facundo and him. Uh, you know, and somebody else in front of him. Well, if the cat can pass as half as well as the uh, Spanish women's national team, we're yeah. in business, I think. Well, that's, that's what, that would that's be what, a good thing. Yeah, that's what Nico said. What they liked about him was his passing. You know, he's a very good uh, passer, getting forward in the box, penetrating, setting up, you know, so that's exciting. That's good. Okay. And then, uh, so that will lead us into, I want to talk a little bit about something else that happened today, but, but, but since we're already talking about this, let's talk about Austin on Saturday and sure. what you're thinking. And I mean, is Yada going to play in that game? Do you think? Uh, yeah, I would think so. Um, he's start. He, he, uh, no, I don't think so. Okay. This, this coach is big on, um, team concept and integration. And in particular, while this guy probably is way ahead of the concepts that they're doing, there's, um, you know, he, he won't played, show up like messy and just start bossing. Yeah. The stuff. He, he might, but maybe not game one. He, he hasn't played since June. Ah. So, you know, there's a two or three month layoff there. So it's like he's coming into camp, spring camp in a way. Right. So he'll need a week or two to get up to speed. But, you know, I would expect him to be on the bench. Absolutely. And I would expect him to get in, actually. You know, this is a week where they have t three games in a week. They have Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. So. Uh, you know they're, they're going to need a little rotation. Well, they and later played in the month, in a month. everybody should be just fine. Well, yes, but they, you know, you have at the end of September, you have a really heavy stretch where you have like three or four straight weeks of Wednesday games. Oh wow! So they're kind of going to need to protect the squad over the back half of the season. So uh, of these three games, would would I expect him to start a game in there or maybe two even? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would expect that one for sure. I would bet. Um, you know, but maybe not the first one, maybe come off the bench for the first one. So, uh, you know, I asked coach about, we did a coach conference call that day. I said, how's his fitness? And he said, you know, maybe not hundred percent game sharp, but the guy's 
a super pro and he really keeps himself in good shape. So it's just a question of getting, you know, his feet underneath him and it'll be fine. So I forgot to ask you this. When mm-hmm. you had an opportunity and you were standing in front of Zanata, did you like sternly poke him in the chest with your index finger and go, where are all the other damn signings? Why aren't you out signing a trio of Barcelona <laughs> legends? Well, uh, the first thing I did was I did the Miazga thing, like you're real short and I'm real tall. I did that. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I did that. But it is like talking to someone. I mean, he's quite a bit shorter than me. Um, I sort of asked about that in general. You're 6'3", 215, Buzz. Uh, I'm not 6'3". I'm only six feet tall, but I'm still much taller than him. Um, I did sort of ask Dan Hunt about that in sort of the general conversation that was, um, you know, the lunch kind of conversation. And Dan basically said what I said. I, you know, I'm not quoting the man, but basically what we talked about in this podcast is that Miami had this perfect storm of they, they got in trouble and they had to sacrifice all those players or whatever. So they had all these open slots. And when they those probations came off at the same time that they had been lining up Messi for a year and a half or three years or whatever it was. So they basically stockpiled all this stuff. They had all these movements available. They jettisoned a bunch of people to create spots. They had a bunch of cap available. They had a bunch of TAM GAM available, and they were able to do that stuff. Dallas doesn't have all that stuff. I, I've been talking about it all year that Dallas was kind of out of TAM and GAM, that we were going to have to wait a little bit, you know, and they were out of it. They had to trade for a couple of international spots as it was. But I think coming up this year, we've talked about this too, there's, there could be as many as like six or seven guys uh, who would, would either be out of contract or, well, not, not, not anymore because Evan's gone, but like six more guys that have options that you could decline. So they could open up just, and this is just me looking at the paper, they can open up a boatload of money and maybe a DP spot, maybe a, a, a high TAM spot or two. So this winter, they're going to have the capability to do some things. They just didn't have it this summer. You know, and, yeah. and I and, and I've had multiple conversations with Dan Hunt about how stupidly overcomplicated the rules are in this league, and how it makes it hard for people to understand it. The casual, the casual fan, the average fan struggles to get all this minutia. And they said, "Damn, even the teams struggle with it sometimes." You know, there's just so much. So you know, they they just weren't in a position to do these kinds of things. You know, they they did the what little they felt they could do. I think that's not me speaking for them, of course. But, um, you know, there's a couple solid pieces here. And I, and I honestly think if you go back to this talk when they first came in with um, Zanata and Nico, they talked all about this process idea because they lined up a couple of moves that first season. You know, your Legette, your Areola, uh, getting a keeper, you know, some stabilizing moves. And then that was kind of going to be it for a bit until they got more assets to be able to do more things and cleared off some caps that they didn't want. So that's still where they are. And I think you'll see more activity this winter. I was talking with a friend of mine today that's a fan um, of the sport, and he was saying that they, he has a friend that's from Cincinnati who is really into uh, the MLS team, and as a fan, he's livid about the Messi signing. Really? Yeah, and, and my friend was curious. He's like, why would he be mad? And I said, well, the reason why there's a subset of – MLS fans that are mad about the Messi signing is because they feel like Miami was given some sort of access that no other team was made available to them, which was, you know, Adidas and Apple throwing in a whole bunch of money because that's not going to happen for any other club. Yeah. And it all comes down to, Hey, you only get a once in a lifetime opportunity to sign the best player of all time and how transformative it, it would could be. But the fact that, 
uh, other clubs or other fans of other. And, and in Cincinnati's case, the reason why I think those fans are pissed is because they're having a, a they're, they may win MLS Cup this season. Yeah. They were until right. now. Yeah. They may have uh, won. Well, we don't know what's going to happen at this point. I mean, I, look, I'm with I, you and I are savvy enough to know that this isn't going to last forever. The thing that's happening with Messi. Yeah. And it certainly is going to change when he starts playing regular MLS league games. But if it, you can understand a fan of a club that was churning along in this season at the top of the table all along, only to suddenly have another team at the bottom of the table get the best player in the world added mm. to it, and they go on a run, you could get nervous about it and at least yeah, yeah. pitch a fit. So I kind of understand that. Well, they have 18 points on 22 games, and they're 14 points out. So they would have to you know, go on a pretty r- ridiculous tear to do it. But I suppose it could happen. Well, I mean, yeah. I've watched them go to Philly and make Philly look yeah. stupid, yeah. and I've seen them fight back from a 2-0, uh, you know, deficit in Cincy on an, in an, an amazing atmosphere, by the yeah. way. I mean, I love the Cincinnati uh, fan base. I just – I wish all of the upstart fan uh, – uh, all of the new recent MLS edition fan bases were as uh, – in my opinion, legit as the Cincinnati group is. I just, my observation is those guys are really uh, cool. And uh, so I don't know what happens from here on out, Bal. I think I know what happens. Yeah. I think it dies off, but I'm not sure. It's it's going to be, well, I mean, who knows? Uh, some of their other people have stepped up, certainly. But, you know, I what I would say to the average fan that's upset about it is that, as you mentioned, this is Beckham. This is a transcendent player, you know, and yes, they've, the mechanics of roster moves uh, Miami has executed correctly. Um, the trick, as you say, is the extra stuff. And this yeah. is where single entity comes into play, where the commissioner and the owners have agreed together collectively that this move and everyone else is paying for this move too. It's for the benefit of everybody. You know, this is where this is in a way it's anti-capitalistic in the sense that like they're, they're colluding, if you will, honestly, because it is, but not legally because it's a single entity structure, you know, that, that ship was legally defined and determined uh, in the second season of the league. So that's not going to ever change. And the chances it's going to be another player again, like this, I mean, I don't know if there's going to be a third one. That would be hard, man. That'd be hard to say after Beckham and after Messi, but you might see something crazy happen again in this league in terms of like maybe there's other teams that could use some help like this or maybe there's some stadium situations. You never know what they're going to come up with. And Don Garber has the power to occasionally do things for the good of the league. He's allowed in this league to do things and, and change the rules and make exceptions. And, you know, if you don't like it, all you have to do is not be a fan of the league. I know that's a harsh thing to say, but that it is sometimes things are the way they are and you yeah. just have to deal with them. And this is one of those cases where – you know, as much as it annoys me as a Dallas fan that the, te- the owners of this team don't go out and get a messy, I understand how good it is for the entire league because I'm in TV and media. I know the numbers that they're doing on with this Apple TV thing post messy are just absolutely insane. I know the numbers of ticket the teams are doing with tickets or even like 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 the renewal of or new season tickets they're getting from people that just came to the messy game and are like. You know, we hear word of mouth. You, I'm sure you did. I'm sure Dan did, you know, of like the things that are happening in the ticket office just because, man, I, the messy thing was so awesome. I'm getting tickets next year, you know, things like that. And they even are clear with people that we're probably not getting messy that next year, you know, because we had two years in a row. Right. We had Miami yeah. two years in a row. We're probably not getting them next year. But, um, you know, 
this is one of those cases where this deal is so good for the league. I, I understand why a Cincinnati fan might be mad, but MLS is weird, man. It's, I think it's it awesome. I was listening to a podcast, and the uh, uh, former Real Salt Lake Man City QPR player, Nedum Onana, uh, I always forget how to pronounce Nedum's last name, um, Anoa, uh, was on this podcast and, and you know, he, he was talking about, he found out as he played in the league that, you know, all players have to go through some sort of ap- approval process at the league level with all the owners. And there are owners that can say, no, I don't want that guy in the, in the league. You're talking and about MLS? Huh? Yes. About, yeah. 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 And then, and, and it was, it was kind of like players, if, if a group of owners don't want a specific player in the league, they yeah. can all reject it, and that team screwed, and that player can't come play in the league. And I, I mean, I, I guess I kind of knew that, but I had never heard it stated that way. Yeah, I mean, I knew there was an approval process, but it never dawned on me that if you know Wayne Rooney wanted to come play in MLS, and three of the owners said, "No, we don't want Wayne Rooney in MLS," they could he yeah, couldn't play. They could, yeah. They, the 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 contracts all with the league office. I'll give you an FC Dallas example. This is an obscure example. But there was a Lee Nguyen tried to come here twice to FC Dallas. And one of the times FC Dallas agreed to a contract with him and they said it to the league and Lee kicked it back and said no. And they tore it up and said no. But we don't know why the league said no. Oh, I do know why. This oh. was in this was in the era when if you skipped the draft and went straight to Europe and then quote unquote didn't make it and wanted to come back. It was like you, punishment. Yeah, they would only give you like a like a tiny deal, like a because like he wanted to come back, and I'm gonna pull some numbers out of air, but it was something like he wanted to come back from his first stint over there, and Dallas agreed to a deal with him for like 100k, which is that back then was a good chunk of money, and the league was like, no, he 20k or nothing, and Lee was like, no, I'll go back to Vietnam or whatever he did, so and that was the first time I tried to sign him, so you know it's just an example of the league at that time had this pretty strict policy of if you're going to bypass us, we're not going to reward you for failing somewhere else was their logic behind it. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And it happened with Alex. She remember Alex, she came back here. He was on a pretty cheap deal when he came and Dallas got him in the weighted lottery. I think um, mm-hmm. he got a pretty low deal because he didn't pan out at PSV or wherever he fired or wherever he was at, you know, well, Buzz, I'm sorry. I'm doing a bad job of hosting this. I'm driving <laughs> us all over the road because we never really finished talking about uh, expected lineups for Austin or St. Mm. Louis on Wednesday. Uh, this is yeah. all my fault, so I apologize. Right, so there's three games in a week, so you might see a little bit of rotation in there. But remember that this coach likes to manage minutes with subs because he has five subs at his disposal, so he likes to use those by, you know, rather than having Facundo go 90, he'll have him go 60 or 70 and bring in Liam. So, You'll, and now it would have been Evan before, but now it's going to be Liam. And we saw that one game when they didn't have a six, how much of a problem that was. So really, Liam is the new backup six, if you will. Um, he can play some center back too, which is nice, since uh, Martinez is so fragile these days. Um, but you can, you, can, you can pretty much pick the lineup easily. I mean, Paz, obviously. Farfan, obviously. Of the three games, you know, do you start uh, Junko once, who's done really well? You know, you probably see Martinez get one of those three games at center back. Otherwise, it'll be maybe even two, and you'll see Nicosi and Tafari and uh, Ibiaga be in there. Right back, I'm, I'm going to say at home you'll see Giovanni, and then on the road you'll see Tuomasi. And then Facundo should probably start two of the three, probably all three actually, with Liam just subbing in because they're not going to want to 
um, risk that position unless they decide to put Yara at the six. But I'm telling you that they just were telling me that Yara is more of an eight. Hmm. So look for him to spell Leggett. I mean, like his time here, you know, if it works out, he may take minutes from Leggett and from Paxton as much as anything. Um, Coach has been pretty adamant that the Velasco midfield thing is going to continue. Uh, and when they go that shape, it's not a strict double pivot, but but the other eight plays a little deeper and, and Velasco plays a little higher. Um, and that leaves you up front. Obviously, Jesus will go all, all three games, and I would expect Bernie and um, uh, Obreon to get the bulk of the minutes. You know, there's been some times where uh, Ansa has looked pretty good, but he hasn't looked so good that, like, it's a no-brainer that you put him in over Obreon because, like, the last game he played – Ansa was pretty bad, which is weird. So, like, I had the just Miami said, game. Yeah, just when I said he should start, he better put a stinker up. So, you know, Ariel will be pushing for more minutes as he gets healthier and healthier. Both he and Paxton, when I saw them last week, looked much, much better in training, which is really good because they both looked like old men when I saw them the week before. So that that's really exciting that both those guys could actually be useful. Um, probably coming off the bench, but the goal is to get Ariola back in the lineup, hopefully back in the lineup over Obreon and keep um, Bernie in there because Bernie's earning his time big time. So you might see a lot of Bernie and hopefully Paul as we go forward. That'd be really cool. So. Yeah, it does feel like that the uh, plague of injuries that have, uh, you know, this team has been suffering all season really is starting to clear up. And we're actually at a point where we can have actual debates about who should be starting yeah. and who shouldn't be starting, which is kind of fun for the first time. Yeah, everybody's healthy. And Coach said on the call today, he said, it's, it's going to be really difficult to get in the first team to start. It's going to be difficult to get into the bench because we're back to, you know, just the nine players. So there's going to be, you know, six or seven dudes left out now again. You know, guys will be down with North Texas. You know, if, for example, if everybody missed it um, – Jose Mulatto was moved down to North Texas permanently, basically, because they needed his international spot. So pending somebody getting hurt, he won't be back this year to the first team because hmm. they gave his international spot to Iara. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So let's see. Austin, the Beef and Broccoli Bowl is yeah. uh, Saturday. And then Wednesday at St. Louis. Well, the one thing to consider is that Austin is here, right? And St. Louis is on the road. St. Louis is much better. They want to play. They play very direct. They don't possess the ball. They come out hard and they go long, try to play to their big guy. Um, Austin wants to try and play with you. So, you know, Austin will play into the way that Dallas wants to play. Austin will want to have the ball a little bit and Dallas will counterattack them. St. Louis is interesting. You know, Dallas beat St. Louis a little while ago, so they're going to be chomping the bit to get them back. Oh, that was the split game, remember, where they played half and half. Oh, that's right, yeah. So they actually have had some success against both those teams. You know, so I would bet you that the Dallas locker room feels like they can win both those games, even though one of them's on the road. I know St. Louis is really good, but, you know, they, there's a team that Dallas did well against, and so they're going to be mad at Dallas. So how you pick personnel may be dependent on how you think the other teams are going to play, but they're very distinct styles. So, you know, Austin maybe is not that great right now, so maybe you might – rotate a little bit for this first game, you know, and, and, and try and be more stalwart on the road and play that, play that, uh, that deeper mid to low block that they like to do encounter on the road against St. Louis. Cause St. Louis doesn't necessarily want the ball, but they might be a little confused by the fact that you don't want it either. And then they have to have it all of a sudden. So it'll be interesting. 
You know, as much fun as we're having uh, giggling at how bad Austin can be at times, um, despite the fact they're uh, uh, ahead of us in the standings, um, is it also equally uh, disturbing that Houston appears to be so improved in the same way we all, as much as we're enjoying the downturn in Austin's <laughs> form, are we all like uh, a little sick to our stomachs at uh, the uptick in Houston's performance and now that they've qualified for the U.S. Open Cup final as well? I'm surprised they got as as good as they did that fast. I mean, Coco Karaskia is a baller. That dude can play. And Hector Herrera must have been sandbagging last year because he was awful last year and he looks great this year. So they got real much better real quick. But if you look at the Western Conference, second place LAFC down to Dallas in 10th is 10 points. You know, and so Dallas to Minnesota, Vancouver, Austin, Houston, all within two points of each other. Yeah. So those teams are all you can San Jose is three points ahead of that. Seattle three points one point ahead of that. St. St. Yeah, wow. Salt Lake. Salt oh. Lake. I kept trying to say Salt Lake and I, my brain kept saying St. Louis. Another point ahead of that. Those teams are all the same. Right. It's basically two. Well, maybe not two. That's LAFC. Three through 10 are almost all the same. If Dallas doesn't have 18 billion injuries all at central midfield, are they two points behind those teams? No, they're probably four points ahead of them. But whatever. That's my point is they're all the same. So, you know, when you have Austin at home, which is a team that was in rough form earlier this year, you have to feel like that's a team that you can you should definitely be winning that game and on your home court, you know. I'm I'm sitting here looking at the standings, and I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised that St. Louis has lost three times at home this season. Yeah, that's what I mean by like you 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 might feel like that you actually have a shot there. But on the other hand, Dallas is only two six and four away, but they are able to grind out ties. You know how they keep those games tight. You know, and they have had a little success against St. Louis. So I you know I I, I don't hate the chances at St. Louis. I really think that you know. With Austin only having three road wins, you man, you better win that game against Austin here. Uh, you know t- this weekend, that's a pretty much a must. You know you got ten games left, but it's almost a must win in a yeah. sense because that's a, that's a team you're competing with for a spot. That's a six point game. St. Louis is way out. That's not a six point game. I mean it is, but it's not. Austin is. Well, we all kind of predicted at the beginning of the season that this was a team that probably was going to battle for a playoff spot um, one way or the other. I can't remember where we all predicted them to finish up. I think up I said it. five. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, uh, and it feels like that's probably going to come down to how it's going to play it, itself out. Um, but at least it feels like the team is more healthy. Uh, players are back, and we've got a couple or a few new additions to goof around with. It'd be nice if somebody could start scoring some goals. So, yeah, uh, other than Jesus, yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely for sure. From well, mouth you know, ears. look at look at the league's cup play. Other than losing to Miami, you have to be pretty confident about the way they were playing. The Velasco in the midfield thing was working. You know, people were mm-hmm. getting more opportunities. You know, well, Jets game came up maybe because Velasco was in there, but maybe also because he was kind of waking up. You know, if Ariel can get back to form, there's lots of things to feel positive about. You know, I, I, I'm expecting this team to climb back up his innings now that they got everybody healthy. And I'm trusting that Martin, uh, uh, Mr. Paz is in tip-top shape because his supermodel girlfriend's back in town and been <laughs> hanging out. Yeah. Uh, and so he should be super happy and not forlorn nice. or distracted or anything like that. So Love it. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. So Austin on Saturday, St. Louis on Wednesday. And who is it they play the following Saturday? Uh, I forgot. I closed that. I want to say Atlanta, Atlanta. 
Yeah. Okay. We'll go with that. Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the question and answers and finish that up, I just really today I wanted to comment. I wanted to discuss with you and get your reaction. The video posted by the chairman of San Diego Loyal or Loyal. Uh, I never knew how they pronounced it's it. Loyal. Loyal. Um, which was just as soul crushing and heartbreaking. Oh, man. Now, for those who haven't seen it, uh, they announced today that San Diego Loyal is closing up shop after this current USL season. And as you know, part of this is tied to, in, to some degree, I'm, I don't think we know the full story, to the fact that there's another club coming to town that's going to play in MLS. And he, in a very brave and heartfelt way, uh, just kind of got on camera sitting in the stands at whatever stadium they play in and just kind of told his side of the story and said, look, we just can't do this anymore and we're not going to be able to do this. So we're closing up shop and thanked everybody. He didn't blame anybody. He didn't crap on anybody. He didn't, you know, throw stones at any other entity or anything like that. He just said, we can't do this anymore. And I just, it was heartbreaking to watch. But the thing that really stuck out to me about it, Buzz, is that it felt like it was the prime example of like a business version of the downside of promotion relegation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, literally. Well, first, huge respects to that guy for holding it together for the three minutes of that video when he clearly had his heart ripped out. He, he was on the verge of losing it, and he didn't. And I, that, I'm, I have so much respect for that, for yeah. that, doing that on camera. I mean, how many teams put out a statement, right? And he got out there in front of the fans, not you know, not literally, but metaphorically in front of the fans and did a video. So huge props for that. Off the cuff, too. And yeah. he wasn't reading it off a tr- prompt right. or anything. He was yeah. just speaking from the heart. Yeah, baller move. So you're right in the sense that this is, we are witnessing uh, promotion and relegation. This is what happens is MLS basically cherry picks the markets that they think are doing really well on an economic reason. It's capitalism, chip promotion, relegation. It's not over the, what you did on the field. It's what you're doing in terms of money or that they think you have money, you know, and in particular in this case is something that's actually really important to talk about because it applies here in Dallas and that's revenue control. That's what everyone who's in these situations when they're talking about trying to put a team together, revenue control through your stadium is everything. And if you don't have your own stadium, or if you don't have a good deal in your own stadium, it will just crush your franchise in a heartbeat. This is why uh, North Texas Soccer Club plays at the stadium they do, because they have a deal there that allows them economic uh, control to a certain extent. It makes the thing work. This is why you don't see... Yeah. Well, I don't know for sure, but they wouldn't do it if it wasn't economically feasible. The hunts... We're talking about the hunts, man. Right. They don't do stuff if it's not economically feasible. The thing in... With the, the bold, the bold is 100% contingent on Donnie and his people getting a stadium where they will have revenue control. They're not going to go play at TCU. I mean, they might temporarily for five minutes, you know, but this is the problem even at like the NPSL level when you talk like, okay, why don't the Vaqueros jump up to do this or that or whatever? Because they don't have a stadium. Right. You yeah. Know, if, you can't, if you can't bring the money into your organization to make it flow and work. You can't do it. That's the, it's the hard part about sports, professional sports in the United States is revenue control. And so if you think, if you're waiting for any team to come into this market, whether it be the new women's pro team, whether it be the new USL team, which may or may not still happen or any other team, if they can't work out a stadium to make the finances work in their favor, 
they won't work. Just what the oil just ran into. It has to have, be there. Or yes. It won't work. Yeah. yeah. And the and the maddening part about this is I you know I made the mistake of looking at the comments, and everybody wants to blame MLS for this. Well, MLS just came and barged in and took over the market. Well, look. And if we had promotion relegation, they'd have to earn their way into it. Well, if a big, bigger, badder, bankrolled team comes into town in your same city and decides to roll a team out, what do you think's going to happen? Like, I mean, yeah. be, I mean, the reality is, as harsh as this seems, the guy, this guy that owns the loyal, and by the way, just for full transparency, a personal friend and teammate of mine's son plays on that team. He's a starter for Loyal. So this is like, I know how this is going to affect people personally, but this team has had four years to build an audience and create a business opportunity for themselves that they just weren't successful enough to do. And that's why they're having to bail on it after all this amount of time. The fact that MLS is coming into it just has made it more complicated for them. Yeah. And and what we what I get frustrated when we get stuck in this stupid argument about promotion relegation is the reality of what happens when teams get relegated. Because in the United States, imagine a team that has spent all this time, money, and effort getting a stadium, working a stadium deal with all these seats gets kicked out of the top-level league, there is not a world that exists where that stadium is going to be able to be financially sustainable in a second or third division or whatever it is. And that's yeah. the problem. That's why it doesn't work here in the United States. Yeah, I remember reading an article talking about Everton this last year when they were on the verge of getting relegated. It was it was doing a, a dive into the numbers of their new stadium and what they have on the line. And that if they had been relegated, the team probably would have gone under because they had all, they put all this money on the line with the new venue, the hundreds of millions of dollars. And if they lost out on the premier league, it would have destroyed the whole model and they would have gone down. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a hundred year old club. This, this is a thing I did the other day. I did a burn about this the other day uh, in a sense, this idea that you have to deal with the world as it is in terms of the, the sporting world. It's great to have um, standings that you believe in and things that you believe in. You can believe all you want that promotion and relegation is the way to go. But you, it, you have to be clear-eyed about things and look at the way the United States functions and look at the way our soccer system has functioned. We have not had a league for 100 years. We've only had one for 27. There is no pyramid. MLS does not sit on top of a pyramid of stability. All those other leagues hang off of the high-flying, if you will, Major League Soccer. It all dangles off of the top, off of the pinnacle. It's a reverse of a pyramid. Now, that's a, that's a funny expression of way to say it, but that's true. It's like none of this would be happening in the United States if it weren't for Major League Soccer. And you have to recognize that owners here in MLS, own, they have all the purse strings tied up. They have all the system tied up. They control it all. You have to recognize the system is the way it is and that you're not going to be able to change it. People are paying $500 million or more for a team in a stadium. You're not going to be able to change it. Yeah. So just well, try to burn it to the ground if you want, but it's like you're just banging your head against the wall. Just trying to deal with it as it is. You know what? Clearly, and this is a great example, is this this guy, young guy, clearly ambitious, uh, from San Diego, put this together with all the best intentions and had a cool brand, had a cool look, had a good connection with the community, and he couldn't make it work. Yep. And 
and I and, and so anyway, I could prattle on about this all day. Yeah, I we felt could talk. I, I could talk. I, I felt terrible about watching that video. Um, I, I I feel bad for their fans. Um, but I, I, again, it just doesn't work the same way in this country no. as it does other places. And here, um, here's all you need to know about pro rel USL the other day announced that they were going to talk about it. Right. Nope. <laughs> nope. They, they pushed that off. <laughs> right. What, how much you want to bet? They never do do it. Well, because uh, there's yeah. too many, there are too many teams Not at gonna. those levels that have worked stadium deals that they can't afford to get relegated in. Yeah. That's the deal. Exactly. You know, uh, I, you know, we had the two guys that live in Dallas uh, on the sh- on the kick around that own late. One of them owns Leighton Orient, the other guy owns Woking, and they talked about this. We we had a whole conversation about this, and if people haven't heard it, go back and listen to the the recording on our podcast feed. It's a fascinating conversation, and they're like they love promotion relegation in England. But they both say, I'd love to own a team in MLS, but promotion relegation will never work in this country just strictly from a, band, a, 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 a business standpoint. I, I love that the same people that want the Hunts to build a you know 70,000-seat stadium downtown and spend $500 million doing it are the same ones that want promotion and relegation to have that team get dumped out of the league sure. and then be stuck with this. Yeah, it's, uh, it's maddening. Yeah, it's All right, again, I've sidetracked us uh, terribly, Sorry. Buzz, um, but uh, my heart goes out to the San Diego people and yep. hope my boy Cam gets a, a new fun place to play soon. Um, all right, let's uh, move on into the uh, second half, part two of question and answers. We didn't get to do all of them last week because we had so many good questions. We wanted to make sure we answered them correctly. So we'll yep. run through these. Buzz has uh, collected them together, so I'll be a little smarter about this. <laughs> um, let's see here. We'll start with Fritz. And Fritz is asking, is FCD going to be able to clean up the right back position this offseason? Seems like carrying four on the roster is bad management, but it's not like any of them are really pushing to be the cornerstone by next year. Yeah, they'll have the flexibility to do a lot at that position, um, with the one caveat being that Giovanni Jesus is under a contract through 2026 and with a with a bonus 2027 he has the longest contract along with Paxton and the whole team so there's a big investment there that was not that guy will be here and he will be playing you don't do that kind of deal and then not do that so Tuomasi at 26 years old uh is what he is he's basically going to be coming into the peak of his career he's not going to get significantly better than he is now so they have him for another year as well um so you could move him or trade him or do something like that, but I don't really know that they'll want to. The question comes down to Colin Smith really is the question. Like, do you, do you think he's better than Tuomasi or do you? So, cause he has an option you don't have to pick up. The bottom line is yes, they have the capability to clean that position up. It would not shock me to see them not do it though. They're like there's, there's a reason to keep every guy among those four, honestly, because hmm. okay. NLA has shown a little bit, you know, he's got another option year for, but really using mostly North Texas. You know, they, they got a homegrown in Smith. They put a lot of money in him. They're not going to want to dump him necessarily. And then now he's finally shown a little bit. We've seen him come back and be okay. So, um, you know, I, I would not expect a clean house at that position. Fritz actually sent us a, a quad pack of questions. His second one is over and under 0.5. I don't understand. Over and oh, yeah. under on how many. 2005s are yeah. signed to homegrown contracts. Fritz, Fritz is a big uh, Academy guy. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's a big fan of that. So over under 0.5. So I'm going to go over. 
Now, Peter, a lot of these names are not going to be. Oh, he's setting the over and under yeah. at 0.5. Now I understand what he Yeah, okay. he's asking whether I'm going over or under. Um, I, I'm going to go over, but maybe not by a lot. Well, it could be one. Yeah, one is going to be over. <laughs> well, because number one is Anthony Ramirez. Doesn't I've been talking about this kid for years. He doesn't graduate high school until next summer, so there's no real rush on him. So he's class of 2005. You also have um, some guys like um, – uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, Diego Hernandez, who's now at Furman, I think he gets into the league eventually. Um, you know, you have a couple of guys going to college, other than him, that are potentially getting there. You know, it's not the verdict is not out yet on 2005. So there's there's still a guy or two that could get it done. You know, Dylan Lacey, who North Texas just signed. Mason Grimm's going to go to Solar. So uh, you know, I can go four or five guys deep that still have a shot, number one of which, Anthony Ramirez, is very high on that list. And so they're easily, for me, will be one more at least. Okay. And then he has a long question essentially asking if what your biggest miss in evaluating young players has been in the club. Yeah, my biggest miss, uh, I think he's asked for both positive and negative. My biggest negative miss, I I think if I'm answering this question correctly, is going to be Ruben Luna. Um, I really thought Ruben Luna had everything it took um, that was actually a really big learning curve for me. And no offense to Ruben, he's a good dude. Um, because he had so many tools that were phenomenal. Work rate, mentality. He scored absolute boatloads of goals in the academy. Just ridiculous numbers. He was like player of the year twice. Huge, huge prospect coming out. And he just didn't couldn't get it done in Major League Soccer. There was just and this a, was a long. This is I mean, it's a lot of time dates ago. back to what like yeah. uh, eleven or twelve. Well, he he was he and Victor and Moises Hernandez were like the first among the first four guys signed ever. Yeah, but he he had all the tools except he was one tick too slow. He couldn't separate and get a shot off enough, and that cost him at that level. Um, and it's a really good lesson because. You can have a guy that has all kinds of great, amazing things, and if he has one tiny little deficiency in the wrong area, it can make all the rest of it not matter, hmm. You know, particularly at certain positions. So that was a big learning curve for me on him. Uh, and the biggest miss I, I guess I had in a positive way, actually, is from that same group of guys, is Victor Uloa. I had no chance at all I thought that that guy was going to make it. I did not see a 15-year MLS career coming for that dude. You know, what a... Prize he turns out to be man. Watching you know. him step on the field the other night with Messi when he got to yeah. sub in that game, I just that just sent chills down my spine. I'm still trying to book an interview with him. It's been because they keep playing in these games, trying to get uh, an interview with him for the kick around is uh, still in the works. So hopefully we'll get that done soon. Yeah, he's a guy who I looked at and I said I hardly see anything. But when you all the pieces that he did have, the the whole sum was more than yeah. all that, and a lot of that is hard in mind. You know, in certain positions, like six, perhaps, that can be the case. So uh, I, I thought nothing of that guy, and he's been the best of that three, arguably. And uh, Fritz really hits hard with this question, Buzz. He's putting the screws to you here. Has Zanata done enough to keep his job? Yes. For the Hunts, yes, he has. Um, because the Hunts were struggling with revenue for this organization for years. You know, you and I both know that over the since they moved to Frisco, there was probably only maybe one or two seasons where they broke even. Most of them, they lost money. You know, obviously we haven't seen the books, but we talked to people, um, and he's managed to, you know, partially through the success of the academy, turn over players for profits. 
you know, and he's finding these nuggets that have potential to be turned over for profit. So he hasn't won anything. And I think he needs to be better with managing the cap. But in the way that matters most to the hunts, revenue and the survival of their franchise, he's been good. So I think he's going to keep his job pretty much as long as he wants it. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Next up, Joseph writes just a single question, which is if Dallas wants to continue to be the leaders in youth development in the U.S., what steps do they need to take? Well, number one, they need to repair their, their themselves and their reputation in this market. They came in scorched earth here um, and through perhaps not their direct fault, maybe more of like a naivete about it. They you know, and maybe not even their fault. They go out and get the best players and they go and take coaches away from other teams, unsurprisingly. So lots of people in this market hate FC Dallas yes. quite strenuously. It is a scorched earth. There are people teams who that, would buy season tickets, maybe yeah, even. Organizations that we know of that have banned players from going to games. Organizations we know of that actively seek to keep players away from FC Dallas, players that would be of value to FC Dallas. And I can name four or five different examples of that, um, but that's not worth the point. That's not the point. So number one, you got to repair that. And the, the simplest way that I can think of to do a long way to do that is to reward those teams with compensation when you take their players and publicity when you sign one a kid out of your academy that came from one of those teams is build the community together, number one. So the second thing is that they need to refresh their coaching tree a little bit. They've had a lot of guys that have been hired away without a whole lot coming in. That just needs a little bit of work from here, here and there. Um, they also need to scout more domestically, uh, not just their own, not just like tryout players, but like actively go out and look at your own clubs, even both around here in the market. Like Brian Reynolds came from Fort Worth. Pepe came from El Paso. You know, uh, Zendayas came from El Paso. They have like seven or eight scouts uh, clubs and organizations in other countries get out there and scout those. How can we've never seen a player from any of these other uh, clubs they have in other parts of the world? There's like six or seven of them. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, uh, there's a club in Florida. That's an FC Dallas organization. You know, how can we only see El Paso? If El Paso is doing something great, that's getting these players awesome. You know, maybe we need to figure out how to get that, whatever it is they're doing to these other organizations, or maybe you're just not scouting them well enough. So, you know, they need to just get out there more. And it's easy for me to spend somebody else's money, but that's the answer. They need to get out and scout more and get out and find some guys because that's the difference. You know, it's, you have to find, it's always about the players. You know, you can help everybody get better, sure. But you don't generate Pepe because you coached Pepe up. You just found Pepe, right? So it's the same with all players all times. You got to go out and find them. That's all. So repair your market so that the clubs are helping you and not fighting against you. Refresh your coaching a little bit and go out and scout more. Mm, yes. I've long thought that Dallas would do themselves, the Hunts would do themselves a massive favor if they would act like a leader in the youth yep. soccer scene instead of the town bully. Don't be the, right. Don't be the enemy. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. So RT News 7170 wrote a very long question. I'm going to paraphrase, Buzz. Sure. Essentially, uh, what they are asking is for uh, if there's an easy way to try to explain the rat's nest of MLS roster mm -hmm. and salary rules that he or they, I should say, uh, hear people complain about all the time. And I'm not sure there is an easy way yeah. to do that. That's like a podcast unto there's itself. There's not. Yeah. I mean, 
it's it's not even just the mechanics. It's like the way the salary cap works. They don't explain it really well. And like the numbers that the MLSPA puts out aren't the cap numbers. Those are not what the cap is. The cap's different than those numbers because the cap include things like um, your transfer fees. You know, it includes things amortized like bo- bo- yeah, that, amortized yeah. or not. You could go either way. Um, things like bonuses that they roll them over. So like if you get a, if you get a scoring bonus one year, they automatically add it the next year. So your cap can go up without your salary going up like weird crap like that. So like there's this incredible opaqueness to MLS. And that's the bottom line is that you can look at any other major sports in the United States and they'll there are guys that are capologists that can tell you every single contract on the team, how long they last, how it fits, all the slots and stuff. But they're way more simplified than the MLS one is. The MLS one is designed the way it is, and it's a lot of it's Farquhar's <laughs> fault to hold down salaries because the business model was everything for this league. Because soccer has never worked here before, and it was all of these these guys, these owners, remember the failure of the North American Soccer League, and so they've overcomplicated it so that most of the time, these guys like these guys that own Miami can't become the Cosmos and go spend five hundred million dollars on players and and destroy the league. So that's why it exists. I agree it's dumb. I agree it needs to be simplified, and it's probably time to start simplifying it some, but they also need to keep a lot of it still. For sure, the cap, you know. Yeah, I would tell this person uh, that if you know the old adage about how lying just leads to other lies, Yeah. the the start of Major League Soccer and the idea of single entity – and the initial set of the back to dating back to 96 around roster and salary rules created a created a reality that the only way they could grow the league was by adding even more complicated and oddly twisted rules and it just seems it's like a it's like a weed that has just grown and grown and grown and gotten more tangled and more you know uh, it's like a knot you can't untie at this yeah. point um, and, and, and it's, I mean, I couldn't imagine being a new fan coming into this league and trying to understand all of this. And you and I only understand yeah. it just because of experience over the course of 30 years of watching this league and just kind of learning it through osmosis. Yeah. And every year the rules are different and every year I have to ask people to clarify stuff. I mean, right. It's just yeah. ridiculous. I mean, the, yeah. the, the thing to understand about it, and this is what's important is that the whole thing exists to keep spending down. And yet there are owners that want to do things differently from each other. Some of them want to go get Beckham. So they have rules for that. Some of them want to go get Fabian Castillo and then sell that guy three years later. Right. And there's rules for that rules for that. So every time they give somebody a rule to make it tweak it the way they want to do it, they got to give the other group a rule to tweak it the way they do it, which is why you get things like, young DPs to push people to have younger players and not older players and why you have U22 initiatives again to push investment spend money to make money you know it's all well it's the it's the theory it's, yeah. around it's the theory around the designated player to begin with yeah it was like it was dating back to when you know owners wanted to go get a player that was in no way shape or form ever going to fit underneath the salary cap which way back then was what what was the original salary cap a million two or something oh yeah yeah and and so somebody wanted to go get i don't can't even think of the player off the top of my head at this time no no even before well i thought it was beckham the original he was the first dp yeah they invented that rule for him right okay so you know so just trying to figure that out that construction of that is the way that happens so it's a mess uh, to whoever who asked the question and it and we'd all love it if they just 
figure out a way to make it far more transparent and easy to follow because I I do think it's the one real big flaw in the entire league is how complicated and unexplainable it can be. Well, I think over time it'll get more transparent because the MLSPA pushes for that and fans push for it. It, You remember, Peter, in the beginning of the league, there was no cap and all the contracts were the league and we had no idea about any of them. You remember all those? Well, there was a cap. We just didn't know what it was. It was all kind of internally kept. Sure. Yeah. But there was no stated cap. There was a, there was budgets like Mateus was getting a 10,000 a month apartment in New York and driving a Ferrari and guys down here were making like 50 K if they were the rich guy, the poor guy was getting 12. You know, I, I talked to Ed Piscarish about this just the other day, guys that were making a living prior to MLS would all, almost all of them played indoor and then outdoor. They sp- split the year and they got like a double salary and MLS came along and said to those guys, Hey, here's 30 K. And those guys are like, dude, I'm making 80 K playing indoor outdoor. Why would I take the 30 K to MLS? Yeah, and some guys saw the opportunities and jumped. Other guys did not. You know, so it's always been all over the map, and it actually is getting better. And I think over time, it'll continue to improve with transparency and simplification because it is what is good for the game. In the long run, it'll be better to be more free. All right, Mark Blackwood is up next, and he has a very long question that ends with uh, am I being too glass half full, which all leads to a series of questions around people's health situation. He leads it off with, is it time to press the panic button on Paxton? Uh, uh, Seba is only now beginning to look decent. Paul's not doing much. So uh, talking about people being injury prone, etc. Buzz. Yeah, uh, well, Paxton is obviously a concern. Um, I think at this point we're just going to have to accept that he's going to be an an injury-prone player and just be missing quite frequently. You just have to decide whether that's worth it or not, and the team will have to decide whether it's worth it or not because he's never been able to put together – I mean, honestly, he's had one season where he didn't get hurt. And even that season he was banged up from time to time. You know, you can – by the time a kid is now – what is he, 23 – you know, the ship has sailed on terms of like, he is what he is. He'll, he'll continue to improve and maybe he'll learn to take better care of himself, but he's not going to drastically change. So yeah, he's always going to be a question mark. But in terms of this season, no, I think Ariel is still, it's not 30 yet. You know, he just looks like a guy who hadn't played in a couple of months, which is what was true. He'll, he'll get it back. I think he'll be fine. Um, you know, Ibiaga also over 30, uh, you know, that, so we've finally seen Legette waking up. You know, there, there's some spots. Martinez is hurt all the time. There's some spots that aren't great. But just like every year, at the end of the year, there'll be five, five or six guys that'll leave. There'll be some more guys that'll come in. They'll freshen it up. They'll get younger. You know, I, I don't know that this was the MLS Cup season anyway. So, like, if you're worried about that, I wouldn't be worried about it. This was never going to be a Cup season. You know, not without pure luck. You know, you just hope they get better from time to time and can keep Jesus. All right, now uh, Mark asked a second question that was a lot like Jeff Tepper's one question, so we're going to give this credit to Jeff. Um, From my, I've read this is like my dyslexia. I thought initially this said from my half-year-old son, (laughs) RJ, which was like, wow, your kid. Yes, (laughs) so weird. (laughs) His six-month-old baby wondering about FC Dallas questions in the League Cup. Uh, RJ, his kid, asked, do you think that the good play Dallas had in the League's Cup will carry over into the MLS season? I do, I do. You know, for these guys, for pros, games are games. 
you know, the, the Leagues Cup had a little bit of um, pressure in the sense that, like, if you lost, you were eliminated. That part was a little bit of a pressure. But now that they've dropped below the playoff line, they're going to feel that same sort of pressure. They're going to recognize they need to turn the form up. So that part will stay the same. You know, the Velasco in the midfield thing looks legit. That looks like he's made that migration and, and that mentality change that he needs for the middle. You know, Coach talked about when he first came here, he was he didn't know what to do in that kind of spot, but now he does. So I think you'll see that continuing. You know, there's actually optimism that it'll get even better if you get if the Jets awakening continues and, and Ariola comes back to form, it could improve even more. You know, I, I think there's real, a lot of reason to be optimistic about the back half of this season. Still not a cup team, as I just said, but uh, you, I think you should see them climb the rankings. I expect them to climb the rankings to get back up, you know, to fifth and up somewhere in that neck of the woods. All right. Next up is somebody with a name that I hope is actually their name, Tavo Poblano. Uh, and they ask, with the rumblings of increasing the cap and or adding a fourth DP spot, uh, hence the earlier conversation, how could we expect the club to make use of it? Giggle, snort, giggle, snort. Yeah, well, the, the, the FC Dallas is going to be FC Dallas. So there's, there's not going to be a $5, 10 $15 million player ever. You know, you'll see. Yeah. yeah. Can I can I throw in a comment about that? Yeah. Because part of the problem with that is, is you've got to find a player of that quality worth that price that wants to come live in Dallas. Yeah. And I and I do think that's there's a there is a uh, a ceiling in which we all as Dallas fans, many of us got used to a long time ago, but newer fans just have to. The only way you break that ceiling is by money whipping a player and the hunts are never going to money whip a player to the degree that they're no. willing to come play somewhere they really didn't want to when they could go to LA or Miami or yeah. New York. Put yourself in the mentality of a player from another country. Dallas isn't necessarily very sexy uh, in terms of a place to live. Now, people that come here and live here love it here. You know, you see baseball players all the time that play for the Rangers and stay. You know, uh, we've seen lots of players come through FC Dallas and choose to stay and have their families here. You know, so it is a nice place to be. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't have the sex appeal of. Miami, L.A., New York, Toronto, Chicago. Those places have a lot more appeal. But the shorter answer is that uh, the Hunts will do what they always do, which is like if they have a, the capability of using a fourth DP, they'll use it just like they use all the other DPs, which is a player that could be bought down up to sort of the Jesus range, right? The most we've seen is Frank O'Hara on $3 million, and that backfired like a Danielson backfired. Overpaid and you get wrecked. So you'll see your $1 to $2 million kind of players like – just like we can do now with Velasco and Jesus Ferreira and Areola. It'll be another player like that, you know, and it'll be the positions we talk about center back six, less Jesus goes, then it'll be a nine, you know, but then you'd have another DP spot to fill uh, there. You can't tigers don't change their stripes, right? The, the hunts are who they are. They're not going to change their ways, you know, and, and go buy a $10 million player. It's not going to yeah. happen. All right. The good old Pappy Check, author and performer and artist of the theme song of Third Degree, the podcast, uh, checked in with multiple questions, and we probably owe him an apology for not asking his questions right off the bat or maybe second to El Jefe. But here we go. First off, number one, what do you think about Junka at right back, at least in games where FCD knows they will be defending? He's quite good, obviously. You know, the, the, where that'll come into play is as they go forward. You know, does he have enough value as a backup on that side that you can, you know, make him move out maybe a couple of young guys and go with just a uh, Smith or just an Endele perhaps behind um, Giovanni? You know, you can look at those options like that. So I, I think Zuka's quite good. You automatically you pick him up for sure. You know, I don't know that Coach will 
ever want to start him on the right, even though Sam, like consistently, I mean, even though Sam would probably like that because he likes to be on that opposite side like that. But he is an absolutely a good roster piece that they'll keep a hold of for a long time, probably. Yeah. I think we both all agreed he was probably the biggest surprise of the season. Yeah. Uh, next question was, do you believe Mulatto will be the ever be an attacking option or in the rotation for Dallas if not starting at nine? No. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, I when I watch him play um, in MLS training, and even when I watch him go down to North Texas, again, this comes back to my Ruben Luna thing. He's capable of scoring some really good goals, as was Ruben. But from time to time, you need to have a little bit of individual something to be able to create space, and he lacks a little bit of that. He's a little bit too bodied, big bodied, a little bit too pondering, plondering. That's not the right word. Plotting. Plotting for MLS. So that's a no for me. Uh, anybody on North Texas that sticks out to you that are not named Norris, Mulatto, Endele, or Carrera? Yeah, Tyshawn Rose was doing a nice work at left back. Um, he's the kid from Boston College, I think it is, until he got hurt the other day. Um, Hope of Veyu is probably going to be signed, I would bet, this winter, not to get ahead of things. The two kids in midfield, Zura and Diego Garcia, are both really nice. Um, they're both like 15, 16 years old, so don't worry about them for a couple of years, but they're both interesting. Um, you know, some other academy guys, but you know, there's definitely some talent there we're talking about other than just those four he mentioned. Okay. I'm going to save Pappy Check's last question. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he had two more. Here's the next to last question. I'm going to save his last one for the last question overall. Uh, his next to last question is, will either Carrera or Stone ever be the starting keeper for FC Dallas? Yep. Yeah, they will. Because Paz will eventually will be sold, and Jimmy's 38, 53, yeah. 64, whatever he is. So, yeah, if if Highstone signs, and Carrera for sure will be, and if Highstone signs, he will be too. Okay. Uh, again, I'm going to save Pappy's last check, uh, question for last. FCD96 is the last person, though, and he has a long question, which is, you have sort of touched on this in bits and pieces, but I would be interested in a full review, Buzz, a full white paper Woo. and report of what happened with all that damned transfer fee money yeah. they've made these last few years. Some went to guys like Legette, Nariola, and Velasco, but it sure feels like Dallas has a stack of cash to spend this offseason just from past sales. Yeah, no, they didn't. Um, the thing about Tam and Gam and that, all that funny money is that it expires. It runs out. that You don't get to keep it forever. Um, and the other, the other part of it is that they use it all. You know, you the don't transfer. Well, the, yeah. specifically the money they made off of Pepe. Yeah. Like the funny, the, the, the cash for Pepe is still around the mechanic money, the Tam and Gam. This is again, stupid MLS rules. That stuff is not nearly as much as the actual money. So like if, if you sold him for 20, you could get like 2 million to actually do stuff with right now in terms of the hunts and their willingness to spend money, that money could have gone to them buying a player for five or 10, but they didn't do that. You know, they, they used some of it on Velasco in terms of the raw $9 million or what $7 million or whatever it was. You know, they gave a lot of raises inside the organization. They've upped the spending on the budgets across the board. That's where all the Pepe money went. But you're asking about the funny money, the TAM and the GAM. That stuff is, number one, there's not nearly as much of it as you think, even though Dallas had a lot. They spent... They spent it all. They spent two million of it on Areola and broke the league record. They spent a bunch more of it to get legit. They they use a bunch of it to buy down guys. Like they have, they still have six or seven players that qualify at DPS, and only three of them are DPS. Is because they buy down all those salaries. Sometimes they get used 
to acquire players and buy down uh, in terms of transfers. Sometimes it gets used to buy down little bitty chunks of the roster. Like if you have a kid that's making a homegrown contract of 130 and you want him to be on the developmental roster. So this is coming to stupid rules again. You might need to spend 50 of that in that position. So it gets eaten up, you know, and the, the moves they made this summer, you know, moving surreal for a big chunk of that stuff was a really good move that gave them a little bit of flexibility to bring in, you know, Liam and uh, Yara, you know, and, they'll, and if they have, if the, if they have the um, qualifiers on surreal kick in, you'll get a little bit more, you know, it, Part of it is that really just is how it is. Like every year you get a little bit more. Every year you got to sell players. So this winter, they'll have some more again. They'll be able to do stuff again. But they were just out of it. And I can't give you the bottom line on every single dollar. You know, I can just I can just point to a lot of the various little places it went and some of the big places it went. And I was pretty sure they were out of it. And the fact that they didn't do anything until they moved Surreal shows you that I was probably right about that. You know, because mm-hmm. Yara was free. And Liam, they had to trade to get him. So they needed a little bit for that, you know. And I, I would bet money without looking that Yara's salary will be above the DP level and they'd have to buy him down too. All right, you. so back to Pappy Check's last question. This will be the final question in our question and answer session, which is, Buzz, your second half, well, we're past the second half, but the rest of the season, Dallas predictions, conference winners, and finals. All right, I still think FC Dallas will finish fifth, which is why I said at the beginning of the season, so you're not going to get a home game, unfortunately, in the playoffs, which means that at best you have a 50-50 shot to get out of the first round, and I think it's not very likely you know, because you'll have to go on the road. And even though this team can give themselves a shot, it's not a very high percentage shot with the way they play on the road. So I'm going to stick with my um, preseason pick of FC Cincinnati winning MLS Cup um, over LAFC because – since he will win the supporter shield and they'll play the, the final in Cincinnati and they'll be able to hold off LAFC in Cincinnati. Very good. All right. Well, that was a fun, uh, a fun experiment to do question and answers. We've not done that before. And that was fun to do. Well, Dan and I usually end up having to do it in the winter when you're not around oh. as much. We, we've done it. I, I've done a couple by myself. It was fun to have you guys all around for one. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Well, Buzz, I think we've uh, done enough. Hopefully, Dan will be able to join us next week when we actually have games to talk about. We'll have two games two, to talk about. Two games. Yeah. yeah. Two. Two games. Um, I like your count impersonation. That's, uh, we'll have to get you to do that more often, Buzz. How many goals did Dallas score in the last game, Buzz? <laughs> two. Uh, do you watch Murders in the Building? Yes, of course. Uh, I'm up to the 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 part of this current season where they're he's trying to turn the play into a musical yes and the song about vampires made me think of forgetting sarah marshall when he has the the count dracula puppet doing this (laughs) that's right (laughs) sorry yes that's a very niche (laughs) insider thing okay come on forgetting sarah marshall is a classic okay well i hadn't thought of that movie in a billion years so good uh very good all right third degree the podcast is brought to you by soccer90.com they're the ultimate destination for fc dallas north texas soccer club and all the european gear you can check out all the latest stuff maybe they even got that brand new cool uh, marvel children's kick cancer uh uh, month coming up pre-game warm-up jersey that thing's pretty sweet if you haven't seen it yet go check that out i butcher what that thing's actually called Podcast listeners get 20% off when you use the code third degree at checkout. Some exclusions apply. Soccer90.com. Love you. 
Thank you, Buzz. It's yeah, always fun you. to talk this stuff with you. Oh, uh, yeah. We went way longer than I anticipated, but uh, <laughs> we got it knocked out, and everybody will have it. Somebody kept uh, derailing earlier in the show. Yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully, Buzz, the podcast is posted by 12. I imagine it will be. Okay. <laughs> thank you, Buzz, and thank you, FC Dallas Curious Fan. We will speak to you next week on another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Where's Dan? Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast.